millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, July 26th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippians are below the national average in financial security. Find out why experts say families may be getting by but aren't getting ahead. More than one in three Americans has prediabetes, blood sugar that's high but not high enough to be diabetes. Many Mississippians could be at risk, but there's hope. And why Mississippi farmers participating in the 2017 census could make a positive impact on their communities and industry. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippians are struggling in money matters, according to a new report. Prosperity Now, a national organization, says Mississippi ranks 51st in overall financial security. The analysis reviews five issue areas, financial assets and income, business and jobs, home ownership and housing, health care and education. Nearly 40 percent of Mississippi jobs are in low wage occupations. More than half of Mississippi households have little or no savings. This, in turn, can make wealth building a challenge. Some say better jobs and education is the solution. Charles Lee is Consumer Protection Director at the Mississippi Center for Justice. He tells MPB's Alexis Ware one of the reasons for low-wage employment. One of the reasons is because the employment that's available only provides wages that are low. Many times that's due to a lack of education or lack of industry in the particular area where these individuals are residing. Therefore, they're only able to find low-wage jobs. Education plays a huge role in that as well. I mean, without an educated populace that doesn't meet the same standards as the national level, we aren't able to attract industry to this area that would employ individuals at a higher wage level. Why are Mississippians unable to build their savings? The money that they receive is just covering the basic living expenses, the the rent, the power, the utilities that they have to pay, uh, so they don't have anything to save. What can be done to boost financial stability of Mississippians? The first thing I would say is probably education uh, in the school systems. Uh, Starting at a young age, if we could educate individuals about the importance of uh, financial wellness and the importance of understanding how to manage your money, I believe individuals would have a better opportunity to start saving early and therefore have something for the future. Uh, but without some type of industry that would provide them with a real working wage beyond what they just need to live on, it's going to be difficult for Mississippians to uh, get into the category of being able to save. What are the chances that people are able to change their situation and build themselves into a more financially stable life? To provide uh, financial literacy education and also providing access to uh, mainstream financial institutions 
a lot of the parts of the state are considered banking deserts because there are no financial institutions or mainstream financial institutions there, such as banks or credit unions. But we have had several uh, financial institutions in the state relocate to some of these banking desert areas and start to provide financial services to individuals to get them back into the mainstream banking industry or to get them into the mainstream banking industry where they never were before. Say, for instance, you live in an area that does not have a bank. Usually what individuals will do is go to a check cashing location to cash their check or go to a store to cash their check. In both of these instances, the individual will have to pay a fee to access their own money. If they have a banking account, then they can deposit the money into the bank and they wouldn't have to pay a fee for that particular uh, service. Uh, so that's one of the things that, that a mainstream banking industry or mainstream bank in an area or, or a credit union will be able to offer. Charles Lee is with the Mississippi Center for Justice. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you. Even as employment rates have increased, the quality of many jobs make it challenging for families to meet basic expenses. David Knight is CEO at the Hines County Human Resource Agency. He tells MPB's Alexis Ware what could be done to help Mississippians. One of the biggest things that we need to change and do a better job of is this wraparound services that go with that. And typically when you see uh, individuals that are low income, uh, you know, in the city here of Jackson or in our county that we serve, most people have one to two jobs. Uh, some of them even have up to three jobs that they're trying to balance to just make, you know, ends meet each and every month. And I think one of the things that we could do a better job of is making sure that the services and the uh, opportunities that are there, whether they're federal or they're state or whatever it may be, is that we provide those and provide those with easier access. In Mississippi, we typically have this mindset that people have to prove to us that they need these services. Well, at the end of the day, somebody still has to do that job. And if that job's not going to pay enough because it's the way the market works and that's what people can afford to pay for those roles or those jobs, then we have to ensure that that person has an opportunity to a quality of life, not just a life. And so that's one of the biggest issues. We run a program called LIE, which is the Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program. And just within two months ago, they limited the amount of requirements that it takes to get that. And that's a huge return on investment to us as a community because programs like energy assistance, we, we typically look at it as, well, that helps low-income people. Well, no, it helps us all because at the end of the day, people are going to use energy, right? People need energy to survive. They're going to use it, and if they can't pay for it, the neighbor's going to have to pay for it because that person has used energy and didn't pay for it. So as consumers in Mississippi or as residents of Mississippi, we continue, even if we're not low income, we continue to see the burden of that because we're not taking care of the people that need the help the most. So for these families in the lower wage jobs, many of them are unable to create a savings account and build savings for their families. How could these families boost their financial stability? I think the biggest thing that we see is housing. Here in Hines County alone, if you look across all our low-income individuals, the biggest thing that we note is the amount of money that they're spending on rent. Their desire to always live in a safe uh, neighborhood that gives their kids opportunity they have that hole where they can't go out and buy a house. And, and that's where the biggest loss of money comes because they're continuing to pay rents, which are usually higher than a payment on a house. And then they're not building up any savings or any equity at all. They can't get ahead because of that rent. So I think we would see a huge impact uh, for companies that bring in funding to say, look, we want to try to give low-income people an opportunity to buy a house, start building that equity, start building that savings. The other thing is a better transportation infrastructure so that people can get to and from work and get to the places that they didn't need at a lower cost. If we're not going to raise the wages or the wages don't go up on their own, then we have to lower the cost of what it is to live to get to work and home on a daily basis. Third thing that we have an issue with right now is our cost of nutrition and food, which plays into our health care as well. But 
we currently still have a large grocery tax, and that affects our low-income earners. And when you're talking about 7 to 9% on goods that everybody has to have every day, that, that really starts to add up. So taxing the low-income people at a higher rate of their earnings is, is really not allowing them the opportunity to get ahead. For us as a state, we have to realize that they don't have the biggest opportunity to get off that cliff. You know, we get, we get a lot of pushback. It's really interesting. We have a lot of conversations with a lot of different partners and we get this idea that people need to be able to just manage what money they have better, which I find very interesting because when you look at the amount of money that they actually have, there's not really much there to manage. David Knight is with the Hines County Human Resource Agency. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Additionally, the organization evaluates 53 different policy measures. Mississippi has not shown progress towards advancing policies related to household financial security. In other news, the U.S. Senate will move forward with an open debate on health care. This after a 51-50 vote Tuesday when Vice President Mike Pence cast the deciding vote to proceed. Republican Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker explains the procedure. What we call the reconciliation process. And it's the most open, complete, transparent debating process that has ever been designed in a legislative body. There's no germaneness rule. There's there's nobody that can stop an idea from coming forward. And we will have a complete and open debate involving all 100 senators. And any idea will be germane and any amendment will be fully considered and voted on. And then we'll see where, uh, where the senators stand. And as votes start rolling in on the various proposals, I'm sure we'll hear from our constituents as we have for uh, for the last number of months and years, frankly. And at the end of the process, if there is a proposal that 50 senators have decided is better than the current system, then we can move it along back to the House and I hope to the president for a signature. When you say vote for a replacement, are you talking about this most recent proposal that did not come to a vote to debate that and make changes to that proposal? Voting for a motion to proceed technically brings the House bill to the floor, and then the amendments will be wide open. My hope is that a substitute would then be offered that that gets us to where we want to eventually arrive, and that's repealing the mandates, sustaining the Medicaid program over time, and uh, getting insurers back into the private market where they're, they're getting out right and left and stabilizing premiums. Premiums went up 113% in Mississippi, and we're fairly typical. So I'd like to vote on a replacement program that addresses all of those. Coming up, possible signs you have elevated blood sugar levels. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Medical marijuana is legal in 29 states, but not in Mississippi. Marijuana, as a medicinal agent, if there's scientific proof that it works, then that's a discussion we should have. Some say it helps. Like most chemos, you vomit, nausea, and everything goes with it. Pop was pretty much an instant relief. But for some, it can lead to problems. Marijuana was the first thing I ever did. It was the least scary. Watch The Paradox of Pot, a Southern Remedy special, Thursday at 7.30 p.m. on MPB-TV. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
More than one in three Mississippians could be at high risk to develop diabetes. 84 million Americans have prediabetes, a serious health condition that can lead to diabetes if left untreated. Nearly everyone with prediabetes doesn't even know they have it. They also may not know that it can be reversed through weight loss, healthy eating, and increased physical activity. To raise awareness about prediabetes and its health risks, the American Diabetes Association, American Medical Association, and Centers for Disease Control are partnering with the Ad Council with a new campaign. The health organizations say they hope to encourage people to take a minute and learn their risk for prediabetes and how they can decrease their risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Dr. William Cephalou is Chief Scientific and Medical Officer with the American Diabetes Association. He tells us more about the condition. Prediabetes is really a condition in which an individual may have elevated blood sugars, but not to the point we make the diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. The important thing about prediabetes, it may be associated with absolutely no symptoms, but yet this condition is associated with accelerated heart disease and stroke, and many people with prediabetes can advance to have type 2 diabetes. If someone has prediabetes, can the blood sugar drop down to normal levels and you're cured? For prediabetes, you can actually reverse the condition and prevent it from developing from type 2. So it's important to know your risk. And so the campaign that we are involved with AMA and the CDC offers a risk test for individuals with prediabetes. And this can be found at doihaveprediabetes.org. It's a simple risk test in which we ask several questions. And then the points are tallied. And if you have a certain point level, your chance of having diabetes or prediabetes is elevated. And we suggest you seek out a provider to have the simple blood test that can diagnose Pre-diabetes. 90% of people don't know they have prediabetes. Isn't that a standard test if you go to get a physical or just a regular visit to your doctor? Well, it can be and it should be in many cases, but many times individuals may seek a doctor and they may have a condition in which a blood test has not been done or perhaps it's not been done in the fasting condition. What are normal blood sugar levels, prediabetes levels, and diabetic levels? For diabetes, we use a fasting blood sugar of 126 or greater, and that test has to be done fasting. There's another test called the hemoglobin A1C test, and the advantage of that test, it averages glucose for the two or three months, and it doesn't have to be done fasting. Any value above 6.5% is considered uh, diabetes. Now, prediabetes is a fasting blood sugar between 100 and 125, and it's a A1C test between 5.7 and 6.4. Are we seeing an increase in diabetes in this country? Well, we've seen an increase in diabetes for many, many years. In fact, some statistics in Mississippi where the national average for adults in this country that have diabetes is about 12%. In Mississippi, it's 15.4%. And about 810,000 individuals in Mississippi are really 37.5% of the population have prediabetes in Mississippi alone. So these are staggering statistics. Dr. William Cephalou is Chief Scientific and Medical Officer with the American Diabetes Association. Dr. Cephalou, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
Once a risk test is completed, experts suggest everyone talk to their doctor to confirm their results and possibly learn about how prediabetes can be reversed. Irena McLean is Associate Director of the Diabetes Foundation of Mississippi. She tells MPB's Ezra Wall what people can do to assess their chances for prediabetes. They really need to assess their family history. That's why, you know, we always say when you go to a family get-together, talk with everybody. Find out, does someone have diabetes? Does someone have sugar, which is a common nickname for diabetes down here in Mississippi? And part of it is realizing that if you have diabetes in your family, you are probably 50 to 60% higher risk than someone that doesn't have diabetes in the family of developing type 2 diabetes. That's one of the first things. One of the other things is being aware, how active are you? Are you someone that has a desk job? Are you someone who's, you know, on your feet the whole day? If you honestly look and can assess how active you are and you fall into the fairly sedentary to sedentary category, you know, where you have a desk job or you're sitting around a lot on the job, you need to figure out a way to get 30 minutes of walking, some kind of physical activity into your day. And then the other part of the mix is nutrition. Now, we all read articles about the risk of unhealthy eating contributing to type 2 diabetes and prediabetes. You know, lower fat bill seems to be the way a lot of our dietitians are steering people. Eating more vegetables instead of meat. You know, it's summertime, get out there and grill, bake, roast instead of deep frying. People are worried about having to take bunches of medication for the rest of their life. And particularly, some people in Mississippi are worried about the cost of those meds. You can go on any one of a number of Incredible website. Look for your .edu's, your .org, your .gov, and they'll tell you these items are healthy. You can even get a book like Calorie King. There's apps for your cell phone. And you can, you know, if you are going to a fast food restaurant, you could pick out a healthier choice, um, you know, to, to keep you on the right track. But if we can get people doing that in the beginning, they won't need to really think about going on a medicine. But if they are on a medicine, they can talk with their doctor about a generic option. They need to look and see what's in their health formulary to keep the cost down. Your health is their best interest. They're going to do what they need to do to help you afford and have access to the medicine you need to keep your blood sugar under control. Irena McLean is with the Diabetes Foundation of Mississippi. Thank you very much for joining us today and for uh, all the information that you've been able to share with us. Thanks, Ezra. The risk test is online at doihaveprediabetes.org. More information on diabetes is on the, uh, in the state is online at msdiabetes.org. Coming up, the census countdown begins for Mississippi's farmers and ranchers. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. Live healthy, live blue. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
Mississippi farmers will soon have the opportunity to take part in the 2017 Census of Agriculture. Officials say participation can give a voice to the industry members and make a positive impact on their communities. The census is conducted every five years by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service. The next round will be mailed at the end of this year for all who operate farms or ranches in the U.S. to complete. The census highlights land use and ownership, production practices, income, expenditures, and more. Esmeralda Dixon is state statistician at the USDA. She says the information is used to inform legislators when shaping farm policy and planning agribusiness. It is important because the census is what we get our data resource for the entire state of Mississippi. It is done every five years, and this information allows us to have accurate data in case there's a drought, flood, or anything happen in the state of Mississippi. We can see what we have reported for the acreage in certain areas. And it's compared to the rest of the country? It is compared to the the rest of the United States. What does Mississippi learn from the census of other states? We learn our ranking because, um, as you know, we are number one in poultry for Mississippi. That's our number one industry. But we are like fifth ranked in the United States. For poultry? For poultry, as well as for aquaculture. We've always been number one in aquaculture, except in 2012, since we became number two. Um, but we are always number one in catfish. Now, I saw in the statistics that Mississippi was fifth for cotton. Mm-hmm. However, cotton is not the number one crop in Mississippi anymore. Isn't that right? No, it's not the number one crop. We may be number one pretty soon because more and more farmers are going back to cotton now. But um, we are fifth in cotton. Basically, corn is leading. Can you give us an overall picture of agriculture in the state, how big an industry it is? The big picture, um, we have about, as of our 2012 census, we have about 38,000 farms. And then with that amount of land, we have 10,931,000 acres. So we have um, average, I say size of farm is about 287 acres. Are there less farms compared to the past? Our numbers show that there are less farms. We don't believe we've lost a lot. We do understand that farmers retire and the uh, younger generation does not want to farm the land when once the father retires. However, we believe that because people are not completing the census of agriculture, a lot of people don't want to give their business out because they, you know, they don't want the government to have their information. But the information is very important because when things happen, we want to get funding for the state. So it shows that our numbers have gone down. Like I said, we had about 38,076 farms. In 2007 census, we had 41,959 farms. So our numbers have gone down, but we are trying really hard to go visit all our industry leaders, Knock on the doors, make sure the farmers understand the importance. And especially with the farm bill, the farmers want to be counted so that they are able to get that funding that Mississippi is allowed to receive. And once we get them to fill out the survey, then hopefully we'll have our numbers back up this year. Talk about that money that Mississippi received from who? The federal government? Yes, the federal government. A lot of farmers put their crops into insurance program. And with that insurance program, those insurance companies use our yield, NAS yield. And if they use NAS yield and you're not reporting for your county, 
they typically look at the surrounding counties and say your county really did have a bad year. But if you're not giving us accurate information, then they can only use the surrounding area. So that that hurts you. And so you don't want to be hurt, especially when you had severe damage to your crop. You said that the younger generation doesn't want to farm. They don't want to take over dad's farm. Has that been a trend going back for some time or is that more of a millennial thing? I want to say it's more of a millennium thing now because, you know, more of them are going back to school. Now, they are majoring in agriculture, but, you know, their first choice is not to go back to the farm. It's probably to go into some type of agriculture job. Well, there are many more opportunities Mm -hmm. now. Yes, but their long term maybe will be to go back home and, you know, start up the farm after you retire, but... That's the thing that we're seeing that um, when the farmers want to retire, they don't get the opportunity to say, oh, let me pass this on. A lot of times when the parent passes away, that air property just sits out there and it's not being farmed anymore as well. So that's a big thing in Mississippi. Esmeralda Dixon is Mississippi State Statistician. Esmeralda, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And please remember the census is coming. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu.